0: Hi guys, welcome to the Katie Helper Show. We have a great show for you. We'll be talking to Becky Bond, former senior organizer for the Bernie Sanders for President campaign. Then we're going to be talking to David Dayen, author of Chain of Title. And he'll be telling us about the most exciting part of WikiLeaks, which, spoiler alert, has nothing to do with Hillary Clinton. And this is so exciting. Finally, we can announce that we have a Patreon set up. Go to patreon.com slash the Katie Halper Show. And support us for very little money. You can get extra goodies, bonus content, videos. And this week, I will be reading to you an Ezra Klein article about Tim Kaine's feminism, which has nothing to do with feminism at all. It's fascinating. So check us out there on Patreon. Bye. Hello, and welcome to the Katie Helper Show. I'm your host, Katie Helper, with...
1: Hey, what's up, everybody? It's me, Gabe Pacheco. I don't know why I ask what's up, everybody. (laughs) It's not like anybody can hear me or respond. Unless you guys start live-tweeting during the show, and then I promise you I will check my phone.
0: Yeah. You you see, Gabe, you went from 0 to 100. You were in the negative, and you filled up your glass.
1: uh, To the brim. To the 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 tippity-top. To the
0: tippity-top with... (coughs) Excuse me, positivity. I got so flumped from that. I'm really moved. We have a great show for you guys today. We're going to be talking to Becky Bond. We love Becky Bond. She pounds a table. Like, the, whoa, she's a table pounder.
1: Yeah, she's emphatic. She's Whenever she's emphatic, in right? here, she uh, is always wrapping the table with a gavel or a cane. Yeah. She's our <laughs> Judge Kim Judy. King.
0: Our Judge Judy, yeah. Becky Bond is our Judge Judy. She's the Judge Judy of the left. Hey. Hey, Becky. Welcome. Yes. Yeah. You wrote you wrote a book with Zach Exley called Rules for Revolutionaries, and it's coming out November eighteenth. And we definitely want to have you back and talking about it.
2: Um, yeah, we're we're excited to come back. It's basically after the election when you're like, now what? Right. Um, we're going to be starting a conversation about. Um, about what is the kind of organizing that we need to achieve the solutions that are as radical as the problems that we face. And Jack and I are really excited about coming, about uh, about you reading the book and about coming on the show to talk about it with you and your audience.
0: Great, yeah, well, we're really excited. How are What's you? What's going on? How's it going?
2: It's, uh, you know, the the country is sort of falling apart and, um, you know, we'll be relieved if Hillary Clinton ends up president. But other than that, I'm doing okay.
1: Becky Great. Bond. What's up? It's Gabe Pacheco. I hear you. I just want to be uh, just optimistic right now. There's no way that Hillary Clinton's going to lose. So let's all just get out there and vote, and that's that's it. That's all we can do.
0: Are we correct? Is, yeah. Is, is Gabe's optimism? Yeah. No,
2: I, no, I think that's right. I, I think I think you know what's what's going to happen on November 9th is we're all going to feel like we dodged a bullet, mm-hmm. and that Donald Trump is not going to be the next president, and hopefully he'll have been beaten by an extremely wide margin. Um, and then we all have to come to grips with the fact that uh, we've gone a step backward from where we were under Barack Obama. And those of us who are fighting for more radical solutions to the big problems that we face, we're going to have to um, get back to work. Mm.
0: A step backwards. Can Two steps forward
1: and one step back sounds like the Paula Abdul song, Opposites Attract. Yes, Thank you does. for making me think about that song again, <laughs> Becky.
0: Yeah, but, so, so Becky, what can you elaborate on that that kickball change of a... Of a shuffle, of a back step that you just alluded to? Well
2: right, without 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 further torturing the the, the, the choreography <laughs> metaphor, thank you, thank you know, you. I I think where we are right now is you know um most Americans are pulling really hard for Hillary Clinton to win and people like me want Clinton to win by a wide margin because we really want to show the country and the world that um that the United States is is not going to put is not going to allow anyone like Donald Trump to get even close to the Oval Office. But if you set that aside, and that's our important task for right now, if you take a look at Hillary Clinton's record. Um, You know, she is to the right of Barack Obama on some important issues um, that a lot of us care deeply about. Um, She is, you know, very very hawkish, um, and uh, she wants a much tougher line on Syria, for example. It's going to be much quicker to bomb another country and get us into another another war of choice uh, in the Middle East. Um, She will, you know, arguably be worse than Barack Obama has been, on um... regulating wall street Um and uh... and if we don't push back really hard we're in danger of getting going backwards in terms of who we have um, at treasury who are um, who are regulating you know the bankers that uh, already have policed Americans, you know, once during this administration. Um, there's a host of other issues where Clinton is just, um, you know, a lot of us are dissatisfied with um, how President Obama fell through on the promises of his run, and now we're actually going to be starting, you know, from another, um, starting from behind um, from, from where Obama was. So we, we really have our work cut out for us.
3: Wow. See,
0: that's what I love about Becky, because she is totally honest. She both says we need to defeat Trump. We need to not just defeat him, but crush him. But she also, I'm gonna to talk to you, Becky, because we're talking to you instead of she. But Becky, you also say that there are, that you have major reservations with Clinton and that you think she's less, um, she's to the right of Obama on lots of issues. So I have two questions for you. One is for our listeners out there who are skeptics, who are either in safe states and plan to vote third party, or maybe even people who aren't gonna vote at all. Um, when you say that we need to defeat him, you're not just talking about in the Electoral College. You're talking about in the popular vote, right? <laughs>
2: Yeah, that's right. And I'm talking about narrowing the margin or 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 pulling off some you know surprising defeats of him in states that are that are normally quite red. You know, you know Donald Trump. You know, it's not voting. I mean, the protest vote in this election is really to protest the fact that Donald Trump is in this at all. And the only way to cast a protest vote against Donald Trump, whether you're in a battleground state or a or a safe state, is to vote for Hillary Clinton. And I'm got to be quite honest. You know, I'm i i, I I don't. I don't like the fact that I'm going to vote for Hillary Clinton, um, but that doesn't change the fact that I'm going to. I'm going to do it because the only way to really defeat Donald Trump and to show the country that his brand of, you know, nativist, racist, misogynist um, politics, you know, can't make it in America is to make sure that he's humiliated uh... at the polls and that's not just in states like pennsylvania that's in states like arizona too
0: Right. so you're someone who does political organizing Um, how does that translate right so let's say donald trump is really defeated right what does that do does that mean that the Koch brothers don't invest in ex-politician ex-candidate who is trump-like in abc like how does it actually happen on a concrete level not just symbolically
2: well i think what's going to happen is if trump comes close in some states He's going to embolden a bunch of people in his grassroots to think we can win the next one. And either they'll start running for office or they'll work for someone running on a Trump-like platform for office. And so, you know, Trump supporters – we don't want people who supported Trump to see – Um, running a campaign like Trump's as a path to power, right? right? Because they could say, well, if only they had invested in a ground game, (laughs) Trump could be the president. We don't want them to see that. We want to see Trump go down so far that people don't see Trump-like candidates as the answer in 2018, because otherwise we're going to be playing a game of whack-a-mole trying to defeat these really, really bad guys instead of doing what we want to do, which is put up um really progressive uh candidates in twenty eighteen, you know, candidates that are going to um uh they're gonna shift um uh the balance of power in the Democratic Party by saying, Hey, we need universal health care. Hey, you know, um we need um uh immigration reform and we need it now. Hey, we, we don't just want some you know, m- empowerment zones in the cities, we want to dismantle structural racism, we want to disarm the police, we want can't. We want to be fighting for the candidates service in our beliefs, not just having another, you know, election where we have to spend all of our money and all of our time defeating someone who's, you know, abhorrent, um, and in the process helping someone get elected who doesn't share our values. Right.
1: So it sounds like the status quo would, in fact, want to create more sort of crackpot flamboyant candidates. Uh, that are Trumpish to uh, to have in stark relief. Like, hey, look at us. We're the common sense party.
0: We're not, we're not overtly racist, um, homophobic, and sexist.
1: Right, right. So, <laughs> right, so right. Vote the bar is
2: so low. Yeah, oh, that, that's you're, you're win. some kind of evil genius. Are you a political consultant for the Republican Party, Gabe? You um, know, just on the down low. Look, yeah. if our
1: Patreon doesn't start kicking in, yes. a couple more shekels, I might, I might have to go to the dark side. Whoever's paying, yeah, I'm, we have I'm a Patreon hired gun. now.
0: We're hired pacifist guns. Um, (laughs) Hired bullet-free guns. No, but Gabe, I think you raise a really important point, and obviously you do too, Becky, which is that when we were watching the vice presidential debate, right? Because with Trump, I have to admit, it's very hard for me to focus on what he's saying. I'm just looking at the facial expressions, at his turn of phrase. Um, He's like a rapper. He's very good with words. You know his nicknames. But when, when Pence was debating Tim Kaine, I have to say I was reminded of... How scary Republicans are, and I have to say, I was reminded of how really right-wing Republicans make it so easy for Democrats to just be slightly decent, okay-ish on certain issues. Like I was really feeling Tim Kaine, and I was able to forget that I don't like his stuff on abortion, that I don't like that he um, wants to doesn't want to repeal the Hyde Amendment, that he's for the TPP. Because Mike Pence is such a, 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 a just like a such a typical real politician as opposed to Trump, who's an entertainer.
1: Mike Pence wants you to wants women to pay for uh, for the funerals of the miscarriages oh, yeah, of the miscarriage ghosts. <laughs>
2: miscarriage ghosts. Oh
3: my gosh! I know.
2: I know. I know. It's a sorry state that we're in, and and I think you know it, it's it's you know when I think back to the primary and I think about how much money was spent, mm. you know, on the left. Um, we're not even on the left, just in just among Democratic party-aligned institutions, trying to defeat Bernie. Issue groups, right? You know, groups that care about a certain issue got involved and lined up really early, whether it was the unions or the women's groups lining up with with Clinton and then spending money from progressives like you and me who donated to them, you know, or dues-paying union members, and they used that money to beat up on Bernie and try to get him out of the race, when in reality you know, what if they had actually been beating up on the real bad guys, right, right. Um, Trump and Cruz um, and all these guys, um, uh, if that money had really followed, you know, who was worse on our issues as opposed to what do we need to do to neutralize Bernie so that we get Clint- our friend, you know, Hillary Clinton back in the White House. So right. it is a it is a problem that we have, you know, with how our party institutions and our, our, our party is aligned. They just want 50 percent of the vote plus one vote, in order to win, and so you have a situation where I think a lot of people were hoping for Trump, right? A lot of Democratic activists were hoping Trump would be the opposition because they saw him as being easier to, to defeat. But in reality, what happened was that when, when as a country we allowed Trump to win the Republican nominee for the for the presidency, we really let a genie out of the bottle, and that was you know that was we, we lost uh, we lost a lot right then because then we allowed him to define. You know the next six months of right. the race, and 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 change. You know the sort of the tenor of what's of what's possible, and we're gonna. I think we're gonna have to be contending with that for the next ten years. Yeah.
1: I think. I mean, Becky, I, don't, I think uh, for, for forever. How do we go back to civics after this? How do we go back to a world where politicians uh, have like uh, have any statement they made make tethered to reality? Uh, Trump is completely unaccountable. To he can just say whatever he wants and. People clap, uh, and and that seems to be the template for, I guess, politics from now on. And let's
3: use. It's, an it's weird,
2: isn't it? The press and all this fact checking. Right. You know what I mean? It's just like, well, what is this fascination with fact checking when he's lying all the time? It's like, shouldn't they just be going out and saying, "Oh my gosh, he's a fascist. The country is on the you know the brink of right. collapse into fascism." They should be as to Saying like, "Well, this
0: fascist checking seventy six percent checking. untrue." Right. Right. Fast checking, F A S C H. How do you like that? You can use that, Becky.
2: Okay, I'll I'll, I'll I'll see if that works. But I mean, really, what are we? I mean, obviously, the media is uh, usually culpable here, right. um, and, um, and 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 they're going to need to have a moment. Like, uh, we're going to decide, you know, what's going to happen about what's going to happen about that, and how do we go through another election, you know, with the media um, as they are, you know, currently constituted. And, and you had people like less movies of, mm-hmm. of, um, CBS saying that, you know, like Trump's really good for business,
3: right, you for know, reading. when
2: he's running in the primary, I hope he stays in, you know? Right. And so I think the incentives are really, you know, not aligned, um, obviously with, um, with a uh, little d democracy. Right.
0: I mean, I think that what's interesting is I, I think that the media has been quite critical of Trump, but they've given him so much free press, so it's not like they, yeah. they praised him, but they gave him free press. And he's a very charismatic person. That's, like, the most dangerous thing. If you gave Hillary Clinton a ton of free press, that may have hurt her, honestly. Let's be honest, right? She's not quite well, as I charismatic as I, I think
2: there's something about it. You know, um, I don't know if you read Brian Boitler in The New Republic. You should have him on your show. And I, I think his coverage of the— the, I mean, besides obviously this show and WBAI, um, uh, his coverage of the presidential race has been, you know, sort of the the best. Um, mm-hmm. And in that, you know, he he talked about, you know, how the media is like. Yeah, they criticize Trump, but it's in these on page. You know, four in these long analytical pieces. And, you know, the majority of Americans, they don't see anything beyond the headline and the lead.
3: Right. And
2: that journalists had a duty to use the headline and the lead over and over and over again, right? So just to say over and over and over again. Um, and bludgeon in the truth of what's really happening, which is that this is unprecedented, um, that this is a danger to democracy, that this candidate is you know continually going beyond the pale, and that we are really in an uncharted ter- and dangerous territory. And that stuff is in the analytical pieces and in the think pieces, but it was not consistently in the headlines. Um, and so the overall sense of the headline scanners – most Americans don't have time to sit around right. and read news on the internet because they're working two jobs – and so, you know, th- this is the this is a crisis which could have been fixed by journalists, but if I mean more in job. terms of
0: TV, I guess. When I said sorry, when I was talking about the coverage, like tons of freep TV, even if the, they were well, saying something bad yeah, about him,
2: they're just covering their whole rallies, right, right yeah. of Trump, right? Because it's bringing in the uh, the ratings. Exactly. But at a certain point, you just have to say whether you're a journalist or whether you're whether you're the 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 military people that are giving Trump the intelligence briefings. I mean, what if the what if the person that has to give the intelligence briefing to Trump, right, once he became the Republican nominee, you know, in order to prepare them to take power in case they win, they get these these classified intelligence briefings. What if the people were just like, no way, I'm not doing it. You can just fire me. Mm. I'm not going to do it, right? Or how about the guy that controls the or the woman that controls the programming? You know, I mean, we're not going to go live to another one of these Trump hotels, another tour of one of his properties. What if people just started saying, I'm not going to do it? I mean, I can't imagine that. Can you imagine you're the intelligence officer who's briefing Donald Trump, a classified you know, state of intelligence? Like who – like how do they do that? How do you not say this is the point at which I just – you know what I mean? I'm going to make my stand and, and quit. I'm not going to do it. Right.
1: Well, you know, they got uh they got a four oh one K. Yeah. They got kids they gotta put through school. They got kids who who need braces, you know, uh for whatever reason there's uh monetary incentives to just keep keep playing ball. And uh
2: just punch in those new nu- help 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 Trump punch in those nuclear football codes when yeah, the time exactly. comes.
1: And you don't know who the <laughs> it, yeah, they don't know who the real Trump is. But I wanted to talk to your point about the press uh just it makes me think of coca-cola we all know that coca-cola will give you diabetes mm. and give you cavities uh and it's not good for you in general it might make you might make you uh, plump If you if you don't when you don't want to be plump,
0: nothing wrong with plump. We just want you to be able to to be whatever you want to look like. But uh, if we like full figure, we like them, whatever.
1: But you see Coca-Cola, the brand is everywhere. The brand is strong. And in the same way, just seeing Trump's name over and over again, I think for a lot of people who don't have that free time to read more about him, just go, well, he's in the press. He's the dominant monkey right now. So that's who we're going to vote for. Or like th- that. Simply, his name being everywhere is right. or his uh, faith. gives him um, credibility.
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's powerful. Clinton. The Clinton. The Clinton name is a big brand too. I mean, I, you know, what I think, to be honest, I think that if the Democrats, you know, were doing something to address, you know, income inequality in, in, in a real and material way for people, and they had some kind of plan to, you know, um, uh, to protect manufacturing jobs to really to rebuild the infrastructure i mean you know all, all they can say is we're going to we're going to give you you know an income tax credit you know for this small thing and 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 you should be happy this is how we're going to help and so i think if the democrats put something on the table i mean donald trump he's lying when he says he's going to bring he's going to you know build beautiful factories and we're going to bring back manufacturing he's lying about that but if the democrats actually were putting material benefits um on the table for working people you know um and uh and providing universal health care and other things then you know then then, then, then no matter how you know big the Trump brand is? He the guy wouldn't have a chance. It's just because the Democrats aren't helping, and so they're like, why not go with this guy? Even if maybe he's kind of folded, right?
1: Well, it seems like the Democrats uh, like to talk about uh, creating business through uh, sort of disruptive entrepreneurship and any any like uh, sort of new technologies, and all of that just sounds like you're going to put more robots out there taking my job. So I, I don't see anything in how the Democrats talk about. Um, Making making the economy stronger, helping working class people.
0: They also don't really have an answer, right, to Trump's make make America great again. Because their thing is, America's already great. And what Bernie Sanders did do is he kind of spoke to the discontent, right, and income inequality. And I feel like Clinton is just doesn't really know how to speak to that. And she herself said in the Goldman Sachs speeches that she was a little bit out of touch because of her, you know, economic situation. Um. What, what do you think of that? And I, I just feel like Democrats haven't been able to pick up a kind of a PR line on the, on that.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. I mean, I mean the Clintons are in the 1%. I mean, you know, when Clinton is making, you know, tens of millions of dollars just for making speeches, you know, by the, between the time she left the State Department and the time – you know, that she decided to run for office and and didn't see how that might, you know, be a problem. But some voters might have a problem with that. I mean, I mean, she is out of touch because money really insulates you from what's happening. But but here's the thing. You know, voters are smart. Voters aren't dumb and voters aren't picking Trump because they're dumb. You know, some of them are picking Trump because they don't believe that Hillary Clinton is going to make real change in their lives and 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 i think that the that the democratic party has really just thinks voters are dumb and in fact democratic party operatives are putting pressure on people like the three of us all the time not to talk about the shortcomings of clinton even as we say people have to vote for her because they think that that could you know um that that could help but in reality i think the voters in this country are starved for an honest discussion of where we are and, uh, and how complex it is and you know, what we need to do to get from you know, the world as it is and the world where we've won things that people really need. And, and to get back to, to Brian Boydler, who writes for The New Republic, he had another think piece recently which, where he talked about the fact that Democrats you know, look poised to you know, take the White House, probably take the Senate – and that Democrats needed to quote psychologically prepare themselves unquote to take the risks necessary to win material gains for you know people in the United States who are hurting right the people that are forced to pay into Obamacare but the plan that they get has a deductible that's so high that they can't go to the doctor and yet they're having to pay you know what I mean right. you know maybe a thousand dollars a month and so so I think that that's sort of where we are right now we need to have an honest um, uh, conversation about how things are broken. Um, that um, that Democrats aren't delivering you know for um, for people who haven't seen their real wages you know, go up in in 40 years and all the economic gains after the financial crisis, you know, went to uh, the top earners in America and didn't go to the vast majority of Americans. And we just have to have a really honest conversation about what that is and what we need to do to get out of it. We need to raise benefits for people and make them real government benefits, not just tax credits. We need to raise taxes on the wealthy. We need to actually, you know, um, do more than we're doing right now um uh to combat climate change and we need to have a real discussion about structural racism in this country if we're actually going to deal with income inequality because those things are really linked. So anyway, so we have a tough job ahead of us and I think the Democratic Party operatives suggesting that people like us shouldn't be having an honest discussion, leads voters to think that the Democrats won't, they don't even recognize the problems, how they're going to solve them. So might as well go with the other guy. He's a knucklehead, but maybe he'll shake things up. And that couldn't, you know, a lot of people think that couldn't be worse than where they are right now. And that's, that's the Democratic Party's fault for putting them in that position.
0: So we're actually helping the Democrats in a way because we're, we're saying something that they will believe is honest because it's not just a talking point. Maybe. Maybe if the three of us I went think- on a, to- a talking tour, speaking tour. Well, I
2: think that's right. Or maybe, maybe we should put you in charge of the DNC. I mean, they're looking for somebody, right? Yeah. It could be Jennifer Granholm, or it could be Katie Helper. I mean, I, mean, she's I think with I'd the go K- I would go Katie Helper.
0: Thank you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna launch it. That's what the Patreon is actually for. It's not for the show. It's for my uh, DNC chairwomanship. Um, and Becky, uh, so, so what do you? What can we get from Clinton between now? We have, we don't have any leverage, do we? Like, because. Everyone, people are going to vote for her. What, so, what can we get her to commit to?
2: You know, I, I and, think that yeah. I think that the you know I, I have a really mixed thoughts about the about the WikiLeaks stuff, and 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 so and and so you know I don't I don't I think privacy ought to be protected and. And, and and how it came out in a way that it was all dumped, as opposed to a news organization, right. you know, picking what's newsworthy and what's not. But 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 for what has become public, I think what it's shown us is that the Clinton administration is going to be very transactional, and that they react to pressure. And right. so, in the absence of pressure, I think we'll have bad outcomes in terms of who gets put in charge of treasury, who gets impor- appointed to um, certain boards, what decisions are made on things like the Dakota access pipeline drilling on public lands. But I think that if we actually are able to put pressure on the administration, which I think that we can on right now on appointments, right? They're making thousands of decisions about who is actually going to be in charge of programs, personnel's policy. We need to do that. I think that um, there are certain policies that um, we can put extreme pressure on on the on the Clinton administration around, and you know, I think basically once the election is done, that's when our job starts. Mm. She should get no. You got you and I've talked about this before. This is a shotgun wedding, so there's going to be no honeymoon, mm. and um, and we need to be ready to unleash not after the inauguration, not two months after the inauguration, but uh, right after the election, we have to turn towards pressuring the transition team and putting extreme heat on them so that they understand there will be very public pain when they side with the Wall Street interests, um, when they side with the 1%. And um, and we're going to have to be relentless.
0: Right. So we can, by pressuring her, in theory, right, and making her – I mean, I'm, I'm speaking in, in large brush strokes, but for the people who say don't criticize her until after she wins, in a way it w- do- Yeah, keep – Go ahead. I mean, in a way, is is the argument, the response to that, the retort to that? Well, actually, we want to push her to do the right thing, to be more progressive. So she has to kind of come out as more progressive, and that'll actually help her win.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's that. As soon as she's done running for president in 2016, she's going to start running. In 2020. Right. And, you know, there's going to be a bunch of Bernie supporters who are going to be fired up to support a primary challenge mm. to uh, a President Clinton. And so, you know, she's going to – she's going to need – um, to, um, she's going to need to deliver, right, for the Democratic base once she gets in office, because that's what's going to happen. She's going to want to run again. And so what we can't do is wait until the midterm right. um, to be pushing on her, you know, like we did with Obama, like we did with the first President Clinton. So I think that actually, you know, we can win things, and also help her make be a better candidate in 2020. If she if she survives her primary challenge, and if she is the nominee of the Democrats in 2020 to go up against the Paul Ryan, she is going to need a fired up base. Yeah. and they're not going to be fired up if they didn't see her use her office. Right to benefit um, to benefit the American people, and so she, just like the Democrats, she's going to have to get psychologically prepared to take the risks, right. right, necessary to actually deliver on real gains, right, for people who are hurting. That's going to materially change their lives in ways that they'll be able to see before the next election.
0: Yeah. So we are maybe some of us are engaging in a shotgun wedding, but there could also be a shotgun divorce. You hear that, Hillary? I <laughs> like that. And if you were, if you were, if you were um, proposing to Hillary Clinton, or let's say you were writing a prenup with Hillary or whatever, you are, you were married, and you were negotiating, you did your shotgun wedding. I don't like where
2: this is going. I don't think I can, Uh, I don't think I can go there. I
0: I, I mean, just metaphor, (laughs) Becky. Just, just metaphor. I don't even
2: metaphorically. So I what's know. The okay.
0: Let's get to the okay. question without
2: the. the all right, icny, fine. Uh, I, mean all right. I really like that, but
0: I like that. I'll, I'll, I'm in. I'm married to Clinton. Let's say, okay. We got. <laughs> okay, we had a shotgun okay. wedding. Okay. We had a shotgun wedding, and then I'm like, listen, Hill.
1: Did you get a prenup?
0: Yeah, I, we got. Well, let, maybe I'm working out the prenup, right? So what do I say? I say, Hillary, if you want this relationship to work, or else I'm bailing in four years. Okay. If you want me to even think of staying with you for four years, you have to do what?
1: All marriages should have this. That's uh, true. Bail Presidential clause. term bail clause. Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, I think one of the things you ask for is use executive order to say that the that the family members of. Um, of of undocumented young people who have deportation relief under President Obama's executive order, that they should also have protection for deportation. That's an easy thing that... um, That Clinton can do. Clinton could issue an executive order immediately, saying that um, international aid won't be subject to the Hyde Amendment restrictions on um, counseling women. um, You know, around abortion, she could do that right on day one. So, so there's. I mean, we we can we can have her. You know, um, uh, put people in charge of Treasury who are um, who are from the Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. Um, wing um, of our party. Um, There's any number of things that she can do um, right off that you want to guarantee. You know, you could also put in your prenup, Katie, um, you know, I I was trying to think of what the hashtag for the Katie Hillary wedding was going to be. But you could also have her you know, um, pull out of the TPP on day one, Mm. like Donald Trump has asked her to do, which would be, and put that to rest, whether um, so that there's not cosmetic changes made to that trade agreement. Um, that would give her the license to approve it. So, um, you know, there's a lot of things like that. Um, maybe that's a good thing to put out to your listeners to submit what do they want yeah. Clinton to do in the first hundred days to prove she's going to be for real, yeah. and we should uh, be behind her.
0: It'll be date night activities. You just said you just put out a lot of date night, great date night activities. Tonight, yeah. what are we going to do, Hillary? We're going to pull out the TPP. Tomorrow, what are we going to do, Hillary? <coughs> well, I'm going to go out and issue this executive order.
1: Yeah, just because we're married now doesn't mean that that, that we, you can't you can't give me some romance. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I
1: need the the TPP. Exactly, killed. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's smother it together. Let's put the TPP in a burlap sack (laughs) and put it in a in a full bathtub. (laughs)
0: Because what's more romantic than that?
2: Yes. (laughs)
0: <laughs> or Becky, she's not going to want to be on the same uh, radio show. I, as her. No, I'm
2: okay with it now. You're now you're the one that's in the couple right. with Hillary Clinton. Yeah, I find it really funny. It was just when it was me, I just became quite uncomfortable. I get it. I get it.
0: We get it. No, it's not. I, I'll take one for the team in this um, parallel universe um, involving Hillary Clinton marriage. Well, um, yeah, or it could be like instead of, you know, don't women like it when like their partners or, or men like it when their partners go out and hunt like it's supposed to be sexy. It doesn't do anything for me, obviously. But so she, we could be like, will you go and kill that TPP for me? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Just, Just set some lines. bear traps.
0: Exactly. For that TPP. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
2: That's so, what it's going to take. It's going to take worked up people to make this democracy work. Yes.
0: Be- uh, pay- table. And, you know, there's pavement pounding people, but Becky's also table pounding. And
2: she's
1: mad as hell.
0: <laughs> she's mad as hell. She's not going to take it anymore. Um, and Katie Halper is gonna uh, sh- wifey up with Hillary. We That's all- right. It's yeah. cuffing season. It's cuffing season. Yeah. Well, Becky, thanks again, and we will have you soon. Right at when your books, which when your book is hot off the presses.
2: Perfect. Great. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, and thanks for keeping this conversation going. It's a really important one, and um, and we need conversations, you know, like this because we we can't find it, you know, in the mainstream media. And and these are things that we need to that we need to talk about so that we can, you know, both laugh but also plan together, right, right for how we're going to continue to make change. Great.
0: Okay. Thanks, Becky.
2: Bye bye. Bye. That
0: was great.
1: So fun. So a fun, fruitful right? discussion.
0: Love her. Um, now we are so excited to talk to David Dayan, who is the author of Chain of Title, How Three Ordinary Americans Uncovered Wall Street's Great Foreclosure Fraud, and that was the winner of the Ida and Studs Terkel Prize. David's a yeah. contributing writer to Salon and The Intercept and a weekly columnist for The New Republic and The Fiscal Times. His writing also appears in Vice, The American Prospect, Naked Capitalism, In These Times, and more, and he lives in Los Angeles. David, welcome. Thanks. Thanks so much for coming on. You're making your Katie Halper Show debut.
4: I am. I am. Look at that.
0: Look at that. We've been talking about it for so long. It's finally happening. Um, <laughs> you you are a very prolific writer, and um, one of your recent pieces is about AT&T.
3: Yeah.
0: Um, and you wrote this for the Fiscal Times. It's called Hillary uh-huh. Clinton will have a big choice to make on the AT&T Time Warner deal. Now, I have to admit, I don't really understand this, but I know that HBO is involved and I like a lot of HBO programs.
1: Westworld.
4: Yeah, there's your there's yeah. your hook.
0: Yeah, there's the hook.
4: So, yeah, so So explain uh, this to
0: me like I'm I'm, I'm a low I'm, low information voter, high information gonna, HBO fan. I'm
4: going to break it down. Yes. Time Warner is the parent company that owns HBO. Oh. They own uh, most of the Turner Broadcasting Networks, TBS, TNT, CNN, uh, Cartoon Network, Adult Swim. They own Warner Brothers Studios. They own DC Comics. Uh, it's a large media conglomerate. And at and as we know, is a phone wireless uh, broadband distributor. So... AT&T has announced that they are, uh, wish to purchase Time Warner for about $85 billion, mm-hmm. and this would create a company that both owns the uh, content that gets distributed and the pipes through which that content gets distributed, right? Mm-hmm. so. Uh, if you want to watch HBO, you can watch it on DirecTV, for example, which AT&T owns. Uh, you, if you want to watch HBO, you can watch it on AT&T's smaller uh, UVerse uh, broadband uh, internet channel, which, uh, it, you know, some people get their cable through AT&T UVerse, for example. Mm-hmm. So this is, they, they call this a vertical Combination, uh, as opposed to horizontal. Horizontal would be if uh, the company that owned HBO was buying the company that owned uh, uh, the, 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 his, the History Channel, okay. or Showtime, or whatever. Uh, that would be horizontal. Vertical is they're doing pieces of the supply chain. Uh, and so, what is the advantage for AT&T to do that? Well. Uh, they would have the ability, uh, they, they don't have that many competitors, but you know, there's, there's Comcast, there's Verizon, uh, in terms of competitors for uh, distributing uh, television content, they can say, all right, well, now we own HBO and all these other places, uh, you Comcast, if you want to provide HBO programming on your uh, cable network, your, your, your provider, uh, you got. You have to pay us more.
3: Mm.
4: Uh, we'll uh, or we will put your uh, the channels that we prefer in a better channel placement. Um, these aren't really theoretical. Comcast did all this after they bought NBC Universal. Um, they they that merger was allowed to go through five years ago uh, with conditions, uh, but many of those conditions were not followed. Uh, for example, the Bloomberg channel was put in Comcast uh, 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 channel lineups in a completely different area that was hard to find. And the CNBC channel was put in a neighborhood with all the other cable news channels. Uh, mm. This has a material impact on who gets to see that channel. Um, that's just one example. Right. Uh, and there are many, many others. So, There have been a lot of people immediately coming out and saying this is problematic. Uh, In the United States, uh, we have two different uh, regulatory agencies, both the Federal Trade Commission and the uh, the, uh, Antitrust Division of the Justice Department that get to look at mergers and acquisitions like this and decide whether or not uh, they should be allowed to go forward or decide if they want to sue to block those mergers.
3: That sounds like uh, big in government. Addition, <laughs> yeah.
1: That sounds like uh, this- too much
4: oversight. Yeah.
0: Big brother, big government.
4: Yeah, that is big big government. Uh, well, what it's trying to do is is ensure competition in the private marketplace. This is this is government trying to, to set up some rules. Uh, Franklin Roosevelt, when he put his uh, 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 antitrust people in place— said that, that this kind of regulation is the least regulation that uh, corporations should expect. What they're trying to regulate is that there are competitors in the marketplace. They're trying to ensure that uh, you know, the, the structures of, of commerce can work their will, rather than having two or three large players at the top stifling competition from everybody else. So that's the idea uh, behind antitrust. And we, we, we've had that in place for over 100 years in America, uh, since going back to Teddy Roosevelt. Is
1: there a counter argument to that, yeah. though? What's the counter to what vertical integration? Doesn't that just lead to efficiency? I mean, when we look at any other that cartels...
4: That is the counter. The counter is that, and this has been sort of over the last 30, 35 years, the counter is that... Well, when these companies combined, it means more efficiency and lower prices for you, the consumer. However, if you do actual studies of what happens after a merger, uh, it shows that uh, the market power that is derived from becoming a big player in the market usually leads to increases in prices, not decreases. So, uh, the 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 Justice Department is going to have to weigh all that. The Federal Communications Commission may be able to weigh in here as well uh, because it's a media merger. Uh, and you know, there are also sort of political implications mm. for this uh, and 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 implications for the news media. Look, CNN uh, is is one of the larger cable networks. And imagine a scenario where they're owned by AT and T. And there's a situation with uh, whether it's under, you know, surveillance or whether it's under a labor dispute with AT&T. Are they more inclined or less inclined to report on that particular subject if it involves their own parent company? Uh, these These are the problems with media consolidation that we've heard for years and years, that if you have these large conglomerates, that are the communication engines for the entire country, uh, they're going to shade uh, for or against certain topics relative to what their personal financial incentives are.
1: My mind is being blown right now. I'm being told that journalists are not objective and that their news division is not independent from uh, the, the mother company. Is that what you're saying right now? It's That's a,
0: It's a good it's, thing Gabe is sitting down.
1: Because uh, thank God I'm sitting down. And thank God we have a Patreon account. because
0: Oh, yeah. oh good <laughs> cause plug. Because we, we are independent. And you can are, go to Patreon, the Katie Halper Show, we'll, patreon.com.
1: We'll just keep giving you that truth as long as, uh, as, yeah. long as we're independently uh, sponsored.
0: We're going to give you that story about an about AT&T labor dispute. We're going to bring you that story that CNN won't. <laughs> David, are there any ex- examples of that that have already happened in terms of like, I mean, I'm sure there are, but in terms of a company not reporting, you know, whatever channel uh, network not reporting on something?
4: Um, sure. I mean, the most famous one is probably GE, uh, which which refused for years to admit that they were dumping PCBs into the Hudson River and never uh, really... Uh, That was never a function of NBC News. That was never something they reported on for years and years and years. You could talk about the uh, famous New York Times story about the uh, operatives from the Pentagon that would report as uh, independent political analysts on all of the major broadcast networks. That was a Pulitzer Prize-winning story from the New York Times that the networks never picked up. Uh, because it wasn't in their interest to do so. Very little uh, was talked about trade uh, on uh, broadcast television, cable television, because the large media conglomerates had an interest in the Trans-Pacific Partnership passing because there were a lot of goodies for uh, intellectual property holders. In other words, holders of um, media content, uh, copyrights on on uh, television and and film, uh, right? So we see this time and time again: the shading of the news to uh, uh, relative to corporate interests. That's some and, shady shading. Uh, you know, more consolidation just means more of that.
1: How do we uh, 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 to combat that? Uh, it seems like uh, we're outgunned. Uh, if you're looking for independent news, if the if the if the corporations have this megaphone. And and it seems like they already have a, a pretty strong stranglehold on right. information.
3: Uh,
4: That's absolutely true. But what we the first that you know it's kind of like a the first do no harm principle. I mean, we don't want to make that worse, right? And right. so one way to do that is to stop these these continuing conglomerations, such that you've consolidated and concentrated the marketplace even more and more and more. Uh, after we get through with that. There's certainly uh, the ability. I mean, AT and It wasn't so long ago. It was called Bell uh, mm. Telephone, and uh, the government actually broke them up into little pieces. Over the last 30 years since that happened, uh, AT and has basically reconstituted itself with all those little bells. Tinker oh. bells. Almost all of them are part of the AT and network now. So it's so like blowing up the... the ability. Government has the ability to. Break up these companies if they wanted to, if they had the will, and ensure that uh, there is some competition, which would be better for consumers, which would be better for news readers and news consumers as well uh, in the marketplace. And right.
0: it, it looks like so you, you see this, David, as kind of a, a a test for for Hillary Clinton, right? You say um, absolutely,
4: yeah. So absolutely, because it's going to be up to her appointees at the Justice Department on whether or not they're going to wave this through or they're going to block it.
0: Right. So you write in your article, so if Clinton wins in two weeks as expected, she has a big choice to make. Those who have reinvigorated interest in antitrust policy after decades of dormancy will demand rejection of this deal. It consolidates economic and political power, threatens rising prices and regulatory r- rollback, and further concentrates a media telecom landscape with just a few behemoths. Even economists Mm -hmm. now admit that the assumption that mergers make companies more efficient was wrong. So she has this chance to do that. And what's interesting is that, not surprisingly, Bernie Sanders is against the deal because he says it would mean higher prices and fewer choices. And Al Franken is against it too because he says it could have a lasting effect on the quality and affordability of programming. And he should know because he used to write for and be on Saturday Night Live. But what's very interesting is that Donald Trump... um, is against it because it says it's because it's too so much he hates con- CNN, right <laughs> because he hates CNN so he becomes this like Chomsky and it's pretty funny he says it's it's too much concentration <laughs> of power in the hands of too few all of a sudden Donald Trump is like a media you know uh media exactly. literacy advocate
4: <laughs> he, however you get there I guess. yeah
0: exactly woke Trump we have it yes
4: a it is it is interesting that uh we are seeing more interest in both parties around this idea that there has been too much of a concentration of economic power and political power at the very top. And, uh, you know, Clinton is coming into office or could come into office at a time when that is a major factor for people. And they're, they're really looking at to see whether or not, uh, a, a, a new administration will, uh, head to the forefront on this. I mean, even Obama's uh, last few years, he has gotten interested in this issue. And they they, they, they put out an executive order uh, to maximize competition within the marketplace. There's, uh, they have stopped a couple of mergers, including the merger proposed between AT&T and T-Mobile. Uh, they, have, they stopped a merger between Comcast Tom- and Time Warner Cable, which weirdly is a different company than Time Warner. So I don't really want to get into it. But um, uh, so there has been some some scrutiny paid to these media consolidations. And uh, Clinton's either going to push that even further by stopping one that is a content distribution play like this AT&T Time Warner is, or they're going to just let it go. And, uh, you know, I think I think it's a major test.
0: So why does someone who likes Game of Thrones care about this? Pitch it to because that's a huge HBO show, right? Game of Thrones.
4: Absolutely. Absolutely. So I don't. Yeah. Right. So the reason you care about this is that uh, you don't want to see your cable choices uh, threatened or your price go up just because you don't happen to have uh, an AT and T availability. You don't want to see. You might get that on HBO Now, which is their uh, online service, their streaming service. If you don't have HBO on your cable, uh, you can buy that separately. And uh, AT&T, which has a competing service, might just end HBO Now and put it into their other service where you have to buy 100 other channels and pay a lot more a month. Uh, This could have a definitive effect uh, as we figure out, you know, the, the the way in which people are watching programming is changing, whether it's online, whether it's on cable, and having just one or two or three big players make that determination is uh, not likely to be a good thing for consumers. And so, I think that uh, you you want to see that the government is is taking care to make sure that that there are more voices in that conversation.
0: Right. So both for the like because they're, when it's a monopoly they can jack up the prices and there's no competition and because they can yes, make and things We
4: saw that by the way. AT&T when they bought DirecTV almost immediately prices went up. You see guys? So this is not this is not theoretical. This is what's going to happen. This is uh, and 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 because you know, people who want HBO might have it, might not have an AT and T or Directv service. It matters not just to users of AT and T and Directv; could matter to everyone because they could say, "Oh, you want HBO now? Your subscribers have to pay twenty bucks a month instead of fifteen, or they have to pay thirty instead of twenty, or whatever it is."
0: So basically, if you enjoy television and enjoy right. not being fleeced, you gotta right. you gotta tell Hillary yeah, Clinton, yeah to oppose yeah. this deal. Um, Absolutely. It's, it's always cool when there's something that's politically, like, righteous that also coincides with... Tel- dragons. With, with dragons, yeah. <laughs> if only we could stick all of political issues to, to fantasy worlds. Um, or from, in my case, um, uh, the, the Night Of, right? That's HBO. Yeah. Yeah. If only we could attach political change to, um, you know, PTSD-inducing, um, you know... Uh, such a stressful show. Such a stressful show. So maybe that's not, maybe we should stick to Game of Thrones. Um, and David, you also, you've written so many pieces, but you have another piece that's really fascinating, which is at the New Republic. And it says the most important um, WikiLeaks revelation isn't about Hillary Clinton. So whom yeah. is it about? Or about whom is it?
4: Well, it's about Barack Obama. What? And yes, um... John Podesta, prior to being uh, Hillary Clinton's uh, campaign aide, uh, back in 2008,
3: uh, he
4: ran the transition for President-elect Obama. Now, what do I mean by transition? There's uh, a process by which uh, the uh, two major leading, uh, leading pre- presidential candidates transition to from being candidates to being the president-elect to being the president. And that process begins well before the election. So right now, in Washington, both Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton have large staffs that are looking at the transition and figuring out the 4,000 people that they have to hire for a new administration, all these political appointees. And you can't just start that at the day after the election. You have to prop that up well beforehand. So Podesta was the co-chair of this for uh, Obama in 2008. And there are a lot of these WikiLeaks emails around the uh, 2008 transition, including this one that I found, which is an email from uh, Michael Floman, who uh, was in charge of hiring in the uh, Obama transition. He also was working at Citigroup at the time. Uh, he also now is the U.S. trade representative who put together the Trans-Pacific Partnership. Oh, so lovely. this is a, a pretty important figure in uh, 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 in the last several years. So Froman gives uh, uh, Podesta these lists, and their lists of potential cabinet appointments. Now, the important thing to look at on this email is the date. It's October 6, 2008. This is a month before the election. And uh, this list of potential cabinet appointments is almost entirely dead on. It gets the health and human services director, it gets the chief of staff, it gets the uh, uh, the, the labor department, the commerce department, all of these different positions, it gets uh, correctly. This prediction, it's not really a prediction, because it's coming from the guy who's doing the hiring. Right. Um, and the three, the range of choices that Michael Froman gives on the Treasury Department is Robert Rubin, Larry Summers, and Timothy Geithner. Oh, those were like the three these...
1: guys that caused the financial meltdown, right? <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah. They
4: they ran the gamut from a Rubenite to a a an actual protege of a Rubenite. So they, it was a wide range of voices that they offered as a, a, an option here. Well,
0: they could have also just uh, offered the guy from Monopoly. In all fairness, it could have been worse. Yeah,
4: right, right. They could have that 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 would have been a little bit more narrow, I
0: guess. Yeah, or just a fat cat, Arubin. like a literal cat but, that's fat.
4: So why is this important? Well, it's important because. Uh here we have a guy who was on Citigroup's payroll who was in his spare time choosing the cabinet uh, and, and his predictions play, panned out uh, almost entirely. Uh, and uh, and this happened well before the election. This was, you know, I put that, that piece out uh, around a couple weeks ago at a time where any criticism of Hillary Clinton, uh, any scrutiny into these emails or any scrutiny into her background was seen as, oh, you're trying to elect Donald Trump. Right. And the point that I was making was that this is the time when the actual decisions that will govern the next four years in terms of personnel, which, you know, as Elizabeth Warren has said, all this election, personnel is policy, this is the time when those decisions are being made. Uh, and in 2008, progressives were so starry-eyed about Obama that they neglected that entirely. They had nothing, no kind of connection to what was going on with the transition, and predictably, we ended up getting the same geithner Summers uh, wing of the party running economic policy. This time around, there has been more attention paid to... Uh, the transition, however, uh, that was a time and where the eye was coming off the ball, and, and the reason I wrote that is to say that these decisions are happening right now, uh, and there are groups that are working like heck to make sure that there is, uh, you know, a real team of rivals uh, in in the White House in the next White House. You know, in 2008. Uh, that book, Team of Rivals, came out, which was about Lincoln's cabinet and how they were uh, adversaries and he put them in a room together and tried to make them uh, uh, hash things out. And they claimed that Obama is doing a team of rivals. And, and, and the only reason for this was because he picked Hillary Clinton to be in the State Department. Oh, where right. He ran against her. But ideologically, there was no, there were no rivals. In the Obama well, they were all pretty much on board. Although Hillary with the and same Robert,
0: policy. Hillary and Robert Gates would side together against other people because they were more hawkish.
4: Well, that is true. That is true. I'm I'm talking largely in terms of economic
3: policy, right, so right.
4: Uh, you're absolutely right. But um, point being that. Hillary has talked about her cabinet wanting to make her cabinet the most diverse ever, but diversity isn't just race and gender. It needs to be on 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 a range of views. It needs to be a diversity of viewpoint. No. It needs to be diversity of <laughs> no. of, of thought.
0: Dick. Wrong. Wrong.
1: It's it's that's entirely racist, about yeah. It's that's ageist, that's racist, ableist, that's ableist. Uh, basically, everyone just has to be a different size in the room and yeah. a different shade.
0: And then we and and all uh, neoliberal. And I want a rainbow of neoliberalism. But
1: we're all just uh, disruptive innovators yeah. and entrepreneurs. Leaning in, and leaning we're, in. That's it.
0: That's uh, what else we're we doing? We're uh, thinking outside the box. What are the other <laughs> things? Leaning in, think. Um, Picking someone's brain? No, that's a little different. I'm I don't trying, know, trying, but
1: I'm we are all disruptive. I mean, leaning in, so. leaning
4: in literally because Cheryl Sandberg herself has been prep uh, uh, as, as a possible Treasury secretary pick. That's uh, people don't seem to remember that Cheryl Sandberg was the chief of staff to Larry Summers at the Treasury Department uh, under s- the Clinton administration. See,
0: that's beautiful. We got, guy. see, this is exactly, this is woke neoliberalism in a nutshell. We had a straight white man <laughs> before, then we had one of the straight white male protégés, but you know what's possible now? We may have a straight white female. Yeah. It's beautiful. About that? Incrementalism. Incrementalism, yeah. I noticed, by the way, that they did divvy up the list. Well, uh, uh, the, the document, the WikiLeaks document that you found has attachments that are sent from Fromer to Podesta, and they have it actually organized as African-Americans, women, disabled. So, yes.
4: Well, the, the entire point of that Froman email was to try to hit a diversity score within the Obama cabinet. Binders.
1: And, just binders full of uh, minorities.
4: Yeah. It was a literal binder full of women
0: yeah and black people and disabled people it's a binder yeah. for all shapes and colors well David thank you so much for coming on the Katie Halper Show and everyone has to fo- has to buy his book chain of title yes. and and um, follow him on the Twitters what's, what's yes. your Twitter name again um, I, I follow you but I... at
4: Dayen D-D-A-Y-E-N and then the other way to so you don't have to go to every single place where I write and figure out whether I've written something that day uh, I send an email uh, Ooh. newsletter Ooh. Uh, every week, twice a week, actually, wow. with links to every one of my stories and a little bit of something extra. So
0: How do they you get go that?
4: to tinyletter.com, that's one word, tinyletter.com, slash David Dan, D a d i d d a y e n, And you can sign up for the newsletter and you'll get it in your email inbox.
0: Awesome. We're going to start doing that at the Katie Helper Show, thanks to the Patreon there you go. campaign we're doing. Well, thank you so much, and we will have you on, and let us know when you're in New York. We'd love to have you in the studio.
4: Absolutely. Thanks a lot.
0: Thanks. Bye, David. Bye. Bye. That was a great show. Great oh, show.
1: Love rich. it. Full, rich. Just full of information. Full
0: of information. We got, if it, Hillary Clinton, I hope you're listening to this, because you could take a lot of info from here and, and become a successful candidate, nominee, actual president, marry me. <laughs> Have a four-year relationship, four-year plus maybe, um, and yeah. Anything else? Uh, make sure you go to Patreon.
1: Yeah, we've already we've got some uh, people donors, who are yeah. subscribed, some donors. So thank you so much. Every little yeah, bit we counts, love you. and it keeps us independent and on the air. And um, yeah, we love you guys for it.
0: Yeah, because you know if you don't do that, you know what happens? You got a bunch of basically support us or lose HBO forever. That's a good way to put it. Okay, we will see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.